0: Welcome to Kelly Drye's Full Spectrum podcast, bringing together thought leaders in the technology, media, and telecommunications industries to discuss legal issues that are expected to impact today's organizations and tomorrow's marketplace. Kelly Drye Full Spectrum is produced twice monthly, and show notes are available at www.kellydryefullspectrum.com. For more in-depth commentary, head to our blog, comlawmonitor.com. All links are in the show notes. This podcast is produced by the Kelly Dry Communications Practice Group. Welcome to Kelly Dry's podcast, what you need to know about the FCC's Lifeline Modernization Order. Nearly a month after its open meeting adopting the order, the Federal Communications Commission released the Lifeline Modernization Order on April 27th to modernize the Lifeline program to support broadband internet access, which the order says has become a prerequisite to full and meaningful participation in society. The order establishes a phased-in minimum service standard for fixed and mobile voice and broadband services to support robust service offerings so that low-income consumers have access to services that a substantial majority of American consumers have already subscribed to, and phases-in requirements for Wi-Fi and hotspot-enabled devices provided to Lifeline subscribers. In addition, the Commission establishes a national Lifeline Eligibility Verifier to make eligibility determinations and perform a variety of other functions, including providing support, payments to providers, and conducting annual recertification. Further, the Commission creates a streamlined Federal Lifeline Broadband Provider, or LBP, designation process as an alternative to the current ETC designation processes by interpreting and forbearing from parts of the Communications Act. The FCC also streamlines the programs that qualify consumers for Lifeline, modifies the non-usage rules, establishes a 12-month benefit port freeze for qualifying broadband offerings, and allows the Wireline Competition Bureau to modify program forms. Finally, the Commission establishes a $2.25 billion annual budget for the program with a trigger for the Bureau to submit a report to the Commission when the program reaches 90% of the budget. First, we'll delve into Broadband Internet Access Service as a Supported Service. As of the first effective date of the new minimum service standards, or December 1st of this year, the Commission amends its rules to include Broadband Internet Access Service, or BIAS, as a supported service in the Lifeline program, which allows standalone broadband offerings to receive Lifeline support. Next, we'll discuss the minimum service standards. The Commission establishes minimum service standards for mobile voice and fixed and mobile broadband offerings. The Commission confirms a permanent support level of nine twenty five dollars per month per Lifeline subscriber, with an additional $25 for Tribal subscribers. First, the Commission establishes increasing minimum service standards for mobile voice services, while declining to do so for fixed voice services. As of December 1st this year, providers must offer at least 500 minutes per month. As of December 1st 2017, 750 minutes, and as of 2018, 1,000 minutes. Second, the Commission phases down support for standalone fixed and mobile voice according to the following schedule, $9.25 per month until November 2019, $7.25 per month until November 2020, $5.25 until November 2021, and then no further support as of December 1st, 2021. The Order establishes initial minimum service standards for both fixed and mobile broadband service and a mechanism for updating those standards over time. First, the Commission establishes initial minimum service standards for fixed broadband of 10 megabits per second for download and 1 megabit per second for upload. Further, the Commission establishes an initial data allowance of 150 gigabytes per month. The Order requires the Bureau to update the minimum service standards annually. The Order also sets initial phased-in minimum service standards for speed and data usage for Lifeline mobile broadband services and provides a complicated mechanism for updating those standards after 2019. The commission sets the initial speed standard at 3G, effective the later of December 1st, 2016, or 60 days after PRA approval. The initial data usage standards for mobile broadband are, as of the later of December 1st, or 60 days after PRA approval this year, 500 megabytes per month. As of December 1st, 2017, 1 gig per month, and as of December 1st, 2018, 2 gigs per month. Starting on December 1st, 2019, the minimum data usage service standards will be set based on a complicated formula to determine the average mobile broadband data usage per household rather than individual because only one lifeline benefit is available per household. With respect to bundles, during the mobile broadband phase-in period from December 1st, 2016 through November 30th, 2019, a voice and broadband bundle must include at least one supported service meeting the minimum service standards applicable at that time. After that, the reimbursement will be based on which minimum service standard is met. To help bridge the digital divide and close the homework gap, the order establishes standards for devices that are provided to Lifeline subscribers for use with a Lifeline-supported fixed or mobile broadband service. First, all devices provided for use with a Lifeline-supported fixed or mobile broadband service after the effective date of the new rules, no earlier than December of this year, must be Wi-Fi enabled. Second, the order adopts a phase-in requirement that a certain percentage of devices offered with or without charge for use with a mobile broadband service must be hotspot-capable or capable of tethering, according to the following schedule. As of December 1st this year, at least one device. As of December 1st 2017, at least 15% of devices. And so on until 2024, when at least 75% of devices must be hotspot-capable. Lifeline mobile broadband providers are not permitted to impose an additional or separate tethering charge for any mobile data usage that is below the relevant minimum service standard. Next, we'll discuss the National Lifeline Eligibility Verifier. The order establishes a National Verifier and at its core will be the Lifeline Eligibility Database, or LED, which will contain a list of Lifeline-eligible, non-duplicative potential subscribers. The development, maintenance, and ongoing activities of the National Verifier will be funded by the USF. The primary function of the national verifier will be to verify eligibility for Lifeline applicants by reviewing proof of enrollment in federal and tribal programs. The process will have both electronic and manual components, the electronic being interaction with other systems and databases, and the manual piece being human review of documents. The order sets the expectation that the national verifier will conduct comprehensive and timely reviews and that the manual and electronic certification processes will be completed in a reasonable amount of time, but does not explicitly require real-time verifications. The national verifier once implemented will function as the default basis for determining support payments for providers. Although the commission does not establish hard deadlines, it expects the national verifier to be deployed in at least five states by December 31, 2017, in at least 20 states by the end of 2018, and in all states and territories by the end of 2019. Next, we'll discuss streamlining eligibility for lifeline support. As part of its efforts to streamline eligibility and to increase efficiency and improve the program, the commission amends the list of programs through which consumers can demonstrate eligibility to receive lifeline supported service to, number one, SNAP, two, Medicaid, three, supplemental security income, four, federal public housing assistance, and five, Veterans Pension Benefit, which is a new program. The order also removes three programs. The revised program eligibility criteria are scheduled to become effective on December 1st of this year or following PRA approval, whichever is later. Lifeline providers will need to address alternate qualifications for subscribers on the removed programs by the subscriber's next recertification deadline. The commission maintains income-based eligibility as an avenue for low-income households to access lifeline support, with some modifications. The order further amends the Commission's rules to remove state-specific eligibility criteria for lifeline support, which USAC has said includes requiring all states to set income eligibility at or below 135% of the federal poverty guidelines. States can no longer increase the income eligibility threshold to, for example, 150% of the federal poverty guidelines. Next, we'll discuss increasing competition for lifeline consumers. The FCC adopts rules designed to encourage market entry and increase competition among Lifeline providers, which will result in better services for eligible consumers to choose from, and more efficient usage of universal service funds. In the order, the FCC continues to limit Lifeline provider eligibility to ETCs and declines to extend Lifeline participation to non-ETCs. The FCC also creates a brand new provider designation for Lifeline support, the Lifeline Broadband Provider, or LBP. To establish the LBP designation, the Commission engages in complex lawyering. However, the order does not clearly address forbearance from the requirement to provide service using a provider's own facilities. Therefore, the process for LBP forbearance is unclear. The FCC establishes a process for becoming an LBP under Section 54202 of its rules. LBP applicants can begin submitting applications upon PRA approval of the revised rule. LBP applicants will be subject to an expedited review process, under which applications will be deemed granted within 60 days of filing a completed application provided that, number one, the provider has 1,000 or more non-Lifeline customers with voice, telephone, and or bias service. Number two, the provider has offered broadband services to the public for at least the preceding two years. And three, the commission has not notified the applicant that the grant will not be automatically effective. Once a provider has obtained LBP designation, they may expand their LBP service area by submitting a letter to the commission identifying the new service areas and certifying that there have been no material changes to the original petition. The letter request will be deemed granted five business days after submission, unless notified otherwise. The Commission decides that existing lifeline-only ETCs will be able to receive lifeline support for bias without resubmitting a petition for ETC designation as a lifeline broadband provider. Next, we'll discuss lifeline service innovation. The order addresses several issues related to lifeline service innovation, including exploring ways to promote broadband adoption through non-price mechanisms and an extended benefit port freeze for broadband services, which we'll focus on. The order creates a new rule section, which adopts a 12-month benefit port freeze for Lifeline-supported broadband service, and retains the 60-day benefit port freeze for Lifeline-supported voice service, which has already been in effect as an NLAD function. Under the broadband port freeze, providers may not seek or receive Lifeline reimbursement for service provided to a subscriber who used the Lifeline benefit to enroll in a qualifying Lifeline bias offering with another Lifeline provider within the previous 12 months. The Commission provides a number of exceptions to the 12-month benefit port freeze, including if the subscriber moves their residential address or the provider ceases operations or otherwise fails to provide service. The Commission directs USAC to implement the processes, including updating the NLAD, to comply with these new rules, and directs states that have opted out of the NLAD to do the same. This means that California will likely be required to impose these benefit port freezes as well, which it had considered, but so far failed to do. These rules will become effective 60 days after announcement in the Federal Register of OMB approval, or December 1st, whichever is later. Next, we'll discuss the lifeline budget. The order adopts a budget mechanism and a new rule that sets an initial annual budget of $2.25 billion for calendar year 2017, indexed to Inflation. If the program reaches 90% of the budget within the given year, the Bureau must issue a report to the Commission by July 31st of the following year. The first would be July 31st, 2018. The report should evaluate program disbursements, including causes underlying program growth, the different service and technologies supported by Lifeline, disbursement amounts by state and other geographic areas, and any other relevant information. The report also should make recommendations about what should be done, For example, adjusting minimum service standards, changing support levels, or modifying the budget amount. The Commission expects it will take action within six months of receiving the report. There are those on Capitol Hill that would like to see a lower budget or cap, or a stricter requirement for the FCC to take action. Next, we'll discuss efficient program administration. The Order adopts a number of other mandates and rule changes aimed at promoting efficiency and reducing waste, fraud, and abuse in the Lifeline program. The order instructs USAC and the Bureau to conduct two evaluations to assess the Lifeline program's progress toward achieving the Commission's goal of promoting the affordability of voice and broadband service. The first relates to consumer affordability and the other is more comprehensive program evaluation to be completed by an independent third party in 2020. The order makes two notable changes to the non-usage rule. The order first amends this rule to provide that if a subscriber uses data or sends an outbound text message, that action is sufficient to constitute usage, such that the countdown for service cutoff is not triggered. As a trade off to this increased flexibility, the order further amends the rule to cut the non usage period from 60 to 30 days, and the time allotted for service providers to notify their subscribers of possible termination from 30 to 15 days. The Order also amends the annual recertification requirement, so that recertification is completed on an individual subscriber basis every 12 months, as measured from the subscriber's service initiation date, rather than once each calendar year, which often results in the annual recertification of all or most subscribers on the same date at the end of the year. Under the new rule, for subscribers enrolled prior to January 1, 2017, rolling recertification will begin on July 1, 2017. The Order also codifies the requirement from the 2012 Left Line Reform Order that the recertifying entity must first query the appropriate state or federal database to determine ongoing eligibility prior to using other means to recertify subscribers, such as written recertification forms signed by the subscriber. The Order also revises the timelines for recertification and de-enrollment. Under the amended rule, a subscriber will have 60 days to respond to a request for eligibility recertification, which is increased from 30. If the subscriber fails to respond to the request within the 60-day allotted time, the provider must de-enroll the subscriber within five business days. Additionally, service providers will be required to de-enroll a subscriber who has requested de-enrollment within two business days after making such a request. Last, the order adopts a modified version of a proposal in the NPRM to create uniform, easily understood forms for the Lifeline program at the Bureau's discretion. The Order makes clear that if the Bureau chooses to create universal forms, the language in them, including the consequences of providing false and misleading information, must be easily understood by subscribers. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Guyon. Please contact us if you have any questions about this podcast. The views and ideas expressed on this program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views or ideas held by Kelly Dry and Warren LLP, its staff, or management.